hello everybody, welcome to episode 221, that's 221, it's the ENS Wolves Podcast, sponsored by Adoption at Heart. I'm your host Nathan Judah, I'm delighted to be joined by Wolverhampton Wanderers reporter, it's Mr Liam Keane. Liam, what a bloody difference a win makes, my friend. Everything was doom and gloom, everyone, the... People were, were sharpening the nails, ready to go. The keyboard warriors were ready to go, mate. But uh, thankfully, thankfully, Raul put... Uh, Raul was just... He was just a, a, an amazing narrative. And everyone was just happy leaving the stadium. People were cheering. You were smiling. The fans were singing. Just, just glorious. I've missed it. I've missed it, mate. I was humming C Senor all the way to the car. I was oh. when, I, when Southampton didn't, didn't give me parking. <clears throat> Um, sorry that I said yeah, that loud. Thank you, Southampton Football Club. By the way, I did make a bit of a faux pas because I got into the press box on uh, on Sunday, and yeah, Liam was there, uh, and Mikey was there from WM, and, and a few others. I'm like, oh, tell you what, wasn't it brilliant that we all got parking today? Because it's a nightmare <laughs> parking around there. Nobody turned around and go, I didn't get parking. I didn't get parking. I didn't get parking. I'm like, oh, I keep my. Uh, that to myself then. But thank Imagine you my shock, Nathan Judah got looked after once again. Hey, look, look, seniority here, baby, you know what I mean? I've, I've been to St Mary's, I'm a regular. Sometimes the young books have to work, they have to work their way up the ladder. It's, well, I mean, the good thing is the parking wasn't too bad, you know, it was a 10 minute walk, it was free, you know, it was all good. And when but... I say, when I say seniority, I'm the one getting you um, at half time, a flipping black pudding <laughs> scotch egg. And I wander back up, and you've already gone and got it yourself. But there's no, yeah, there's, I, no there's no offer for a coffee. There's, look, I mean, you, I mean, you know, in all the fairness, runners these days, the youngsters, the the, the interns, you know, the the baby faced <laughs> assassin should be really working to try and help me out. But but I'm not getting a lot of that from you, Keena. Well, you say that someone did make a comment the other day saying, "Why did they employ a six former?" Um, so I'm, uh, <laughs> the the baby face is uh, it's getting uh, is getting rinsed already. No, look, I've got a very good excuse, which I've actually only just realised that this was actually how it happened. And I didn't say it at the time. Go on. You'd already wandered off to go to the toilet. Didn't actually ask me if I wanted anything. Just you know, just uh, saying. You just what? I thought off. you were going to say. Didn't actually uh, ask me if, if I had permission to go to the toilet. <laughs> yeah, that as well. Um, and I was sat there, and then I saw mm. another guy come up the stairs with the napkin and the scotch egg, and I thought, oh, they must have something in the press room. So mm. that's when I went down, and you were already either in the toilet or in the queue for the toilet, and I'd already gone round to the press room. So look, had I known, of course I'd have asked you if you wanted anything. I mean, I mean, I must admit, like. Southampton, fair play to them. I mean, they are, they are an underrated football club in terms of press access. But this, if anyone saw, didn't see the menu for the press on uh, on Sunday, we get in there, and obviously it's an early an earlyish kickoff. So we're getting in around what twelve thirty-ish for a two o'clock kickoff. Normally we try and get there an hour and a half before. This was the press lounge. We had we had little brown bags with uh, with sandwiches in and crisps and uh, and what chocolate and all sorts going on. And then on top of that. You got a burrito station with barbecue pulled pork, black beans, steamed rice, coriander, a Vietnamese chicken for broth with noodles, lemon grass, or, or, or beetroot, falafel, halloumi, beef tomatoes, and peppers wrap. Half time black pudding, scotch egg, and lemon meringue cheesecake. Full time grab bags. I mean, we have to slum it, I tell you. In Wait, there was full time grab bags? Oh, mate, there were full. Do you not miss the, do you miss the grab bags? Oh, you're joking me. I missed oh. the grab bag. I didn't even know they were, they, that was a thing. What was in there? Oh, mate. Oh, all sorts. Kinder surprise. Everything, mate. There was a kinder surprise. Oh, 
There was a, an old school dime bar. There was a Boost. It was it was it was a chocolate bag. There was Love Hearts. There was Ferrero Rocher. You're jo- you're joking, are you? No man, I'm I'm, I'm I'm being serious. There was Fair. a little pick and mix side. Um, you're, you could you're put taking your bag. No, mate. Honestly, there's a little pick and mix thing. You could just take one <laughs> scoop and go. Ferrero Rocher is literally my number one. That's my favourite. I do like a good Ferrero Rocher. Although for me, there's only one way to eat it, which is just literally teasing it with your teeth to hear that crack, Get and then breath. and then. No, no, no. This is you the shove the whole to, thing in. This is, man. No, you the whole thing up. goes in. No, no, no. People, down. people will be with me on this, especially you know now it's coming around to Christmassy and Easter time and stuff. And then you just hear that little crack. But the the most important thing is the inner shell, which has got the the the, the caramel and the hazelnut in there. That has to be you nibble around, so then you're just left with the the shape with with no piercings in it, and 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 that is. The second coming. That's the dream there. But you can't have any piercings in it. You've got to just bite the chocolate around, get that hazelnut nougat in your mouth, but have this perfect spherical circle there ready to go, untouched. Amazing. Well, the problem Amazing. with this is that re- that requires patience. It does. Um, and for me, when it comes to food in general, but when it comes to Frère Rocher, well, no, it goes in three stages. It comes in food in general, when it comes to chocolate in general, and then it comes to Frère Rocher in general. You just shove the whole thing. You go for it, and then you, and then by the time you, you know, you realise that you've eaten twenty four of them, and I don't know, this is you're... bad. <laughs> this is this, this is bad. This is bad. Um, look, you say three stages. I've I've got three stages for you, Liam. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Over Wolverhampton Wanderers one, Southampton nil. Um, the good, first of all, let's start off with the best, the the, the most amazing narrative. Of the day, which was Raul Jimenez scoring his first goal of the season, and what a goal it was! Um, I, I put a tweet out saying, "Cometh the hour," because I mean, sometimes you score a goal and it's a tag on, and you're winning two nil, three nil. It's a consolation. This was a massive goal, not just for him, but but for this season. I think I really do. This was a massive game, and at half time, I think everyone was worried. I was talking to a lot of the press. You know, the fans were frustrated. Uh, there were question marks over team selection. Um, it looked like it was going the same kind of a way that it, the, uh, of the last two previous games. You know, Southampton were poor too, which kind of helped Wolves. But but when you need someone to come to the fore and, and do it in front of the away fans and, and have, you know, seal that vital three points, uh, it was great. And, and hopefully going forward, this is going to, Help him, help this team, get that confidence back, and and start start really getting the the results and the uh, that, that they deserve and and the points that they deserve. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I watched the the goal and the celebration, all the different angles. I watched it probably. It's a great one a to million, watch. Isn't it? A million times afterwards, it was great. I was sat at home after the game, carried on watching it. It was um, it was almost quite emotional, wasn't it? I mm, thought it mm. was. Uh, you could see the the sort of release um, in his face. When he scored, and it was almost like um, he was angry, yeah. and I quite I quite like that. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You, I think you want that in a in a forward because uh, as a striker, it's a it's a very niche uh, position where you know they're having to. I mean, they, they are judged ultimately on scoring goals. Now, I think Raul does a very good job uh, of linking play up, creating opportunities. You know that flick uh, to play Semedo through against Watford, for example. Um, but ultimately, they are judged on goals. Um, and it, you want them to have a bit of anger about them, put themselves about. You know, he's a, he's a big bloke. He's strong. Um, he's not. You know, he's not slow either. He's very good on the ball. And 
when he scored that goal, I mean the goal was brilliant. It was vintage Raul. It was you know it was it was a classic really of, of what he's done over the years, uh, last few years at Wolves. The composure but, though, Lee. The composure. The composure was when, excellent. When, when you know, when you're when you're five games without a goal, um, you could quite easily. And there were two or three opportunities where he could he could have shot earlier and maybe snatched at it or. But the, the way that he you know he turned two players and and also. And he got crowded out in that first half a couple of times. His head was a little bit down. I felt he was isolated. But the strength he's shown, you know, to, to, to get away from the defender and, and then, and then to, to double back on himself and, and then just to slot it home. Amazing, amazing. I know, it was brilliant. He, he doubled back on himself a couple of times as mm. well in other opportunities and lost the ball that he sort of alluded to there. Um, and when he did it that time, I thought, oh, no, we go again. But it was the timing was perfect. The execution was perfect. And as I say, he, he, he seemed angry when it went in and that's what I wanted to see um, because he, you know he's going to be quite um, you know straight down the line with it and say you know I wanted the goal obviously he's not going to go too far uh, and go you know he was up at night thinking about it but I think we all know that he would have been desperate for that goal he'd been thinking about it a lot it would have been playing on his mind um, and it just seemed such a release to get it a great way to score it um, and he could have had a second and probably should have to Darm Rupp, shouldn't he? In that, uh, that that other chance, we'll uh, but we'll let him off because the the result didn't uh, didn't get knocked down because of it. But um, yeah, it, it was a great goal, a great a great way to win. And you, you're right, the narrative. But I tell you what, Bruno Large wasn't having the narrative, was he? Afterwards, oh, he, uh, to, I was just about to bring it up, saying I mean he must have got asked at least four or five times by different press members about you know trying to wax lyrical about an emotional occasion for Raul and they want all wanted the headlines and he he really didn't bite did he I mean he kind of said look I want more from Raul and uh, maybe that's because and we alluded to, alluded to this last week I think Liam after the uh, when we did the late night podcast that he doesn't like to have too many personal relationships with players and look I don't have an issue with that and you know you do want more from Raul Jimenez and I think everybody wants more from Raul Jimenez but You'd have thought that they would have at least given given us a line of saying, yeah, you know, he's worked so hard, you know, and, and, and this this was testament to, to all the determination that he's done in training and great for his family and and and, his, and, and everyone watching. But he just wasn't having any of it, was he? It was like, well, he's got he's, he's got to score more. He's got he's got to do more. And, you know, this is this is the start of it. But he, he was there. Uh, yeah, he wasn't biting, was he? No, he, he wasn't having any of it. And it's um, it's it's interesting because he's quite a, you know, a friendly Character, mm, absolutely, really, isn't he? You know, he has he has a, a little bit of a, a laugh sometimes with us. Obviously, when you know when the timing's right, you know some of his responses. You know, he was talking about the Mexican police and the FBI talking about uh, you know us questioning round taking the the headband off, having a bit of a laugh, and um, you know he, and he answers questions very well. Um, but then at the same time, he's been a little bit of a, a hard nut as well, hasn't he? With with some of the answers he's given recently about you know as you say the, the personal relationship with players and. Um, and, and obviously myself, I started the questions asked about Raul, as you say. Probably, oh, Liam, well, it was... it's always you. It's always you start off. It's always oh, you. It's always on. you. Well, yeah, obviously number one's got to go first, haven't they? Wow. Um, and, and then as you say, what was there, maybe four or five guys afterwards that all followed up mm. specifically on Raul? Um, Asking and, slightly and, and different it, questions to exactly the same question. I mean, exactly. It, it was the same question every time, but just worded slightly differently yeah, to see if Bruno yeah. would bite. And he, and he, and he, he didn't bite once. Um, yeah. But it wasn't, you know, I'll say bite. It was the sense of, as you, you know, they wanted the, you know, the emotive line yeah, out of it. Right. And, he, and he wasn't given it. You know, he was very straight down the line and said, look, you know, he, he needs to score goals. He's got one. Now think about the next day, tomorrow, and work towards the next one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
pragmatically as a, as a as a football manager, it's actually a very good answer. Um, but I think all the fans probably would have appreciated a little bit more uh, of an emotive side to it. But from a media point of view, I mean, I think people know this anyway. Um, yeah, I can't complain about Bruno and how he interacts with us because he actually answers questions. You know, I can talk to him about tactical things. I can sure. talk to him about all these different um, elements of, of what makes the football club um, and what makes his team. Whereas you couldn't really... Well, you could ask it, obviously, but you wouldn't really get an answer necessarily under Nuno. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you have to find a healthy balance between, um, you know, not giving too much away. There was a question I asked about pressing and he said, I'm not going to you know say too much about the type of pressing because I don't want the opponents to know. Yeah. But then he went, up, he went on to talk about, you know, why they may do... More of it here and less of it here, for example. Which is um, great. I mean, yeah, you're not it, expecting him to divulge all the secrets and, and give exactly. the opposition an advantage. But, you know, it's an honest question that you asked and I thought he answered it very well, to yeah. be honest. And, you know, he takes a bit of time after after full time, although I think he has been coming quicker to, to post-match press conferences, you know, than, than maybe, uh, you know, initially earlier. But, you know, he had his... He had his brother in the in the in the press box as well. He was he was obviously looking at it. He likes to assess the situation. He likes to look at the analytics. He likes to be um, be well read in, in the game itself rather than just watching from the touchline. I think before he goes and addresses the media, which I think is is very is very good and very astute. Yeah, definitely, and it's the balance. It's you, you know you've got to. Well, I think you have to, and this is not just because I'm part of the media. I think you have to give some sort of credence to questions, mm. uh, have a relationship with the media and answer questions, not only because, you know, we're building a relationship with him, but also because the fans want to hear, they want to know. And there were too many times I felt that, as, as brilliant as Nuno was for Wolves over the four years, there was too many times that he didn't answer questions and left fans wondering. Um, well, and, and you've got to find the balance between that. And I think Bruno is he's, he's, he's working on that. He definitely, I don't think he's, he's probably not found his set you know, position on that, but he's much more open with it, and I think that that only helps everyone. I think. Yeah, and look, you know, Nuno was was great for this football club. He really was, and he's struggling badly at Spurs. And I mean, it's incredible turnaround from being manager of the month to to being the third man, the third favourite now to become the next manager to be sacked in the Premier League. But from a from a media point of view, he was always a frustrating character. Now, um, obviously, I was with Nuno from the very start. And he never changed tact once, really. He kind of doesn't like, I'm not saying doesn't like the media, but he's, he's, it's not his favourite thing to do in the world. But he had the same questions and the same responses literally for five years. Now, when you're winning, no one's that bothered. And there's only two or three of you in the, in the press conferences. When more and more people come, you become more successful. You're in the Premier League, you're getting back-to-back sevens, you're going to Europe. People, and then you start losing games, people say, hang on a minute, you've just said that last week. He's been saying it for four or five years. And I think because, you know, Wolves is kind of like a little microcosm, it doesn't really get na- national coverage, really. Now he's gone to Spurs. Now he's not answering the same questions. He's not changing. I mean, OK, Nuno, you're sticking by your guns. I thought he might have been a little bit more open with the media. He's not He's not taking questions from any about any single players. Um, and look, that, that it, it's, it's coming back to coming back to bite him and I think that if you haven't got your media on your side then I think it's a difficult job I'm not saying that you need to have it on your side if you're winning games and it doesn't really matter too much but but sometimes you know it does help I think when you have a good relationship with the media and that's what I'm coming back to Bruno is that I think that you know from the moment he came into that that, that meet and greet um, when we had it at Molyneux to, to even today and when they're winning and if they're, if they're playing well and losing or if they're winning he's he's always answered the questions I think honestly and, and that's a really really um, 
good attribute to have, I think, as a, as a manager. Because you want to hear from the manager and you want him to be honest. And we had the, and I'm going a little bit, but we had the pre-match press conference on Friday and he was peppy. He was chippy. Mm. You know, he was he was passionate. I'm not saying he wasn't arguing. I mean, I think he actually got into his 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 own head a little bit. He he had a lot of things to say, and he was going off at tangents. But he was getting louder and louder and louder in his press comments because he, he cares. And and I think sometimes that's really good, rather than having the same old responses week after week after week. Yeah, definitely. He's he's finding the balance between it. But he, he is a um. And this is a very simple sort of character trait, which goes a long way, I think. Um, is he is just quite a nice and polite man, mm. um, and that is always going to help when he's giving answers. Because you're totally right. On Friday, it was brilliant. I mean, there was one question from Sky, um, which was you know it was a pretty straightforward, harmless question. There was nothing loaded in there at all. It was just about you know, uh, I think it was coming off the back of the Spurs game. Um, and he, as you say, there he he started answering it, and then he was he could tell he was thinking about the goals that they conceded and the and the manner of the goals they conceded, and he almost started to get irritated um, in his answer, not towards the journalist, but in his answer, and, and and he became louder. He was almost shouting at one point about how we cannot concede these types of goals, and um, and I thought it was brilliant because it was you know it it was it, as you say passion. He was being honest. Um, but at no point was he rude and condescending towards the journalist. Now, don't get me wrong. If Wolves go and lose ten games in a row, and he gets asked a question that he doesn't like, uh, I can imagine. Oh, I, 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 you know, I can imagine. Pino saying, <laughs> "I just want to talk about your tactics, your tactics today." And you know, you, you, yeah, you played look, that back five. I'm like, get away, Kino. Look, get yeah, out. We all, look, even I know there's a, a good and bad time to do certain questions. Yeah, but um, I can imagine there's going to be a time if, it, if if that did happen that he, you know, he may not be as forthcoming. Don't get me wrong. But I don't imagine he's ever going to be particularly rude and condescending, and I think that goes a long way. And you talk about getting, a, uh, you know, on the the right side of the media when it comes to the big national attention. Wolves do still get good national attention as well. Um, that's certainly a factor. Now, from my point of view, just because he's nice and he answers questions well doesn't mean I'm scared to criticise him. And I think if he's done something wrong, or if I ask him a question that you know his opinion on something perhaps that fans are, are questioning, for example. Um, doesn't mean we're afraid to ask that. It just there's that back and forth relationship, there's that mutual respect, and so far I think he's done a very good job of setting that up. And as you mentioned there, the, the sort of meet and greet he did in pre-season with myself and other written journalists, um, and then invited us to watch training and things like that. Those small things go a long way, not only to us understanding what he's trying to do, um, and then that just you know stops any con- confusion as well. Um, but it, it just builds that relationship more. And I think he's doing a really good job of that. Um, answers questions well for the fans, which has helped him build the relationship with the fans so quickly as well. Um, so he's doing everything right in that sense. Uh, they've just now got to get a few more results on the table. And I do think they'll be okay this season. I really do. Talk about going off at tangents from the good, the bad and the ugly. I know. Yeah. We did a little bit there, but it was, it was, it was, it was kind of like a, a natural progression. So it's, it's fine. Um, just going back to the good slightly, um, and, and this has to be a little bit shorter. Um, Jose Sarr, I thought, had his best game in a, in a Wolves shirt. Uh, you know, a couple of really good... I, th- I thought his handling was, was good throughout. Um, big, big double save before Raul's goal, especially the second part of that double save was excellent. I think it was to deny Adams, actually. And then, and then of course, an assist. I mean, <laughs> talk about playing out and naturally it's a long ball that, that Raul got on the end of. But, uh, but look, that will give him confidence because he's been questioned a little bit and... You know, I don't think the penalty was too much his his you know uh, his fault. I think when he gave it away at Molyneux, but then obviously he had a bit of an error as well. You know, the the, the game after that, and 
you know, he needed a good game, I felt, and I, and I feel that that that'll help him a lot. Yeah, definitely. There was a couple shaky moments, wasn't there? You know, the, almost giving the ball away when he had it at his feet. There was a couple of back passes that were um, perhaps he wasn't helped a couple of times with his uh, his defence, um, but there was a couple hairy moments certainly. Um, but then at nil nil, the the double save that he makes. What was it? I think Elianusi and then uh, Adams following up. Mm-hmm. Brilliant double save. Um, there was a couple of the set. There was a Livramento save as well. Um, there was a few, you know, really good stops in there. Uh, and then, as you say, yeah, to get a, an assist. He was the first Wolves uh, goalkeeper to assist in the Premier League since I think it's a 2009. Wow! Um, it was Wayne Hennessy pinged one through for Kevin Doyle away at Everton. Um, I remember and, uh, it well. And, <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, I watched the video of the goal again. It was a great finish from Old Doyle. Um, but um, but yeah, it's uh, it will do the world of good because I don't think he's been bad. Certainly, I think he's uh, sort of alluded to that as well. I don't think he's been poor, um, but I don't think it's been outstanding. I don't think it's been you know really grabbed by the scruff of the neck, showing the fans look. This is what I can do. Um, and aside from one or two little worrisome moments in there, um, the shot stopping was brilliant. Uh, handling was good. Commanded the box well. Um, and then again, yeah, his, his uh, delivery um, for, for Raul for the goal. And also for the one that Raul should have squared to Adama as well. That came from Jose Sarr again. So um, that's certainly an option. And, and, you know, I think tactically against uh, Southampton, that was a, a particularly good option. I don't think we're going to see that necessarily every week. Um, but he took full advantage of what was in front of him. Um, and, you know, to get on the assist sheet is not bad for a goalkeeper. Absolutely. So we talk about the good. Uh, let's talk about the bad. Marcel didn't have his finest game, mate. No. He. I think the play ratings. Him and uh, Daniel Podence for me were the two that struggled. Um, it's a strange one with Marcel because I thought he had a really good start to the season. Um, he did. I thought he had really good pre-season as well. Um, I've, I've always said all along. I don't think he's a wing back. Um, I really don't think he, he suits that position but because of how well he was performing in his first few games he felt that he, he could get away with it um, I still think he can get away with it but you have to accept the fact that he's not really going to offer much going forward um, he, his passing was, was way what he didn't link up with Huang very well um, and he, he didn't offer a threat on the overlap or even as a as a you know a pass backwards at times he, he was far too deep I felt um, to be playing wing back perhaps that was tactically for Southampton, who were playing sort of inverted four four two, like a narrow four four two with the wingers, and he was you know was picking Elianusi up. But I just thought he was he was way too defensive minded at times, particularly when Wolves were on the front foot. I think I said to you at one point in the first half when he he got in and, and put a cross in. That's the first time he's been in the box in about three games, mm-hmm. um, and that says it all because he, as a wing back, you have to be able to do both sides of the game. I don't think he can do that. But then there's also the small bits, as I mentioned, the passing. It all was just very sloppy um, from him that first half. Now, I'll give him credit because it was, it was the same against Brentford. It was very, very sloppy first half. But in similar to that game and again for this game in the second half, I felt that he that he regained a bit of composure, I think is the right way to put it. He, I don't think he was amazing. I don't think he was outstanding. I don't think he did anything particularly great. Um, but he cut out some of the sloppy passes and looked after the ball a bit better. So credit there where it's due. Um, but you have to look at it and think perhaps Ryan Aignori, provided he's okay after the, obviously the concussion protocols, he seemed like he will be fine, but provided he is, um, you have to think he's knocking on the door. 
Yeah, well, and we'll probably discuss that uh, when we come to preview the Newcastle game. Uh, so that's the bad. The the ugly for me was just generally the passing on the day, Liam. It was, it was I mean, especially first half, it was awful. And I mean, I'm t- from back to front, and when I say back, I mean back because this short passing that they did, and okay, they got a clean sheet, but I'm not a big fan. I get nervous every time that you know the fullbacks go wide and they try and pass it out and they're getting pressed and then the then and then Saar, you know, there's a man on Saar and then they just about get it away. I'm not sure whether that's working or not for me. But but just generally, like the, the you know, they gave the ball away so many times and they have a decent amount of possession in the first half, but they could not string three passes together. I mean, is it any <laughs> could I could I make this slightly easier by saying I felt the passing was worse against Spurs in the first half? Well, I mean, it, it doesn't really it doesn't really make it. It's not an excuse for it, but you're totally right. The passing I think the last few games has been totally off. Um, partially, why I think Neves was was dropped because I thought well, was, yeah, I was going to come on to that. Yeah, probably pa- right. Passing in the first half against Spurs was horrendous, to be honest. But um, it's it's strange because I think they're putting themselves under too much pressure at times with the passing out of the back, particularly when they've got, like Brentford did and like Southampton did, they're sticking their front men right up on the defenders and pressing them high yeah. and not letting you pass out for the back. You've got to find an outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget which team it was I was watching the other day. Uh, it doesn't really help for the example when I can't remember which team it was, but um, they were attempting to pass out from the back. They were being closed down and the goalkeeper was able to ping a 40-yarder out to the left wing-back uh, and restart the whole phase of play going going forward rather than looking backwards. I think they need to find more cross-field options, um, particularly coming out from the back, because I don't think it's working. Get Cody on the ball more and ping it out, because when he, against Southampton, he found Samedo in that first half four or five yeah. times uh, very easily. Um, the space was there, the option was there. I think if they do that more often and build up from there, it just takes a bit of pressure off. And I think that's what was causing the, the issue really at the back was just the, the amount of pressure they were putting on having to pass out from the back and then being pressed so quickly. Uh, and then, you know, Kilman made a terrible pass, attempted to go across to size and just gave it straight oh, to yeah. Elia oh, Lucy. Oh, God. Yes, it, I mean, it was a horrendous pass. Um, and there, there, was a, there was a couple, you know, similar to that in midfield as well, Dendonka and Moutinho. I don't think they either of them had a particularly bad game, um, but they... There wasn't really the decisive passes going forward, which is what you want. Some, you know, just a one in between a a, a fullback and a, and a centre half for a winger or, or wing back to to run onto. You know, something decisive in between the lines. I didn't think it was quite there. Um, and we mentioned Podence as well. His uh, ball retention was really poor. Every time the ball was coming into him, he was losing it. He was weak on the ball and. And that was um, that wasn't helping Wolves make any attacking phases of the play because every time he got the ball, he was losing it. So um, actually, his passing was pretty poor as well. There was a few, you know, ten yarders, and he was skewing them off to the left and giving it to Southampton. So it's a, I think it's a, a concentration. I think it's a still getting used to the tactics issue as well, um, and just putting yourselves under too much pressure at the back uh, to to pass out. Sometimes you have to go long, and look what happened. They went long and they scored. There were a few uh, widened jaws at 1pm when the team news came out, Liam, and we saw, well, I don't think anyone predicted the starting lineup. Now, Wolves won 1-0. Was it an inspired team sheet? Was it, did he get away with it? Or is it somewhere in the middle? Probably somewhere in the middle. Only because, now, you know, 
it's difficult not to give a little bit of credit when they've won, of course, but the first half performance, I think it's difficult to to say it was a you know a masterclass tactically um, in the changes. Uh, I can understand where he's coming from. You know, I asked, I did ask the question um, to to Bruno, and he said that um, they wanted to to get Podence and Huang on the ball more, and they felt that they're better on the ball, you know, receiving it either with their backs to goal or, or wherever. Um, and they found with them coming inside, picking the ball up more, wanting Moutinho to play in between the lines, and hence Neves, um, Neves being dropped. I think Dendon could probably be rewarded for quite a good performance against Spurs. Um, and then you look at it and think, should Bolly have come in? I, I'd have said yes. And then I thought Soros actually had a very good second half, to be fair to him. Um, I, I don't think he was terrible first half, but I think he, him and Marcel, again, I'm not quite sure the communications there between the two of them because they did the same against Watford they were very uh, disjointed um, and it was a little bit similar in that first half although Marcel really was was taking it away with how we you know with the bad performance um, but then Sarsal thought second half was very good you know getting blocks getting in there so it's somewhere in between um, he says it's it, it's tactical I asked him he said you know there were tactical reasons why we did it um, and you know, he already said he doesn't have personal relationships with players. So he's ha- you know he's happy to, to drop players if needed, and he clearly showed that. Um, I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. Uh, you know, you've got to keep the harmony in the squad. Arguably, the Wolves are two best players um, in Neves and uh, and Troy, or at least this season anyway. Dropped. It's always going to raise eyebrows. Um, but in the end, they won the game. So you know, it's difficult to argue really too far either way. Uh, I imagine, or we'll come on to it with Newcastle, I imagine they'll both probably come back in though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was interesting because you had a, you had a chat one-on-one with, with Connor Cody after the game, Liam, and look, he's come in for some, for some stick over the last couple of weeks. Some warranted, I think some maybe a little bit over the top. And um, I think there were a few people maybe when, when you published this article last night, Liam, who kind of read Cody's thoughts and maybe thought, look, maybe I have been a little bit harsh. Maybe I have been, I'm not saying about his actual play, but maybe, you know, a bit give give the captain a bit more respect of what he's doing and what he's trying to do with this football club. Now, at Wolves playing in a three and Wolves playing in a, in, a, in a back four, I think are two completely different things. I think there's two arguments to have. But if Wolves are playing and are continuing to play in a three, there's, there's no way in a million years for me that, that Connor Cody should be out of this team. Um, clean sheet on on Sunday. It was strange actually because when when Wolves score a goal, especially an important goal, we've always laughed and joked that Conor Cody is the first one celebrating with with with, with the player. You know, he's the first one in the picture. I mean, all these great pictures of him jumping up and down on the on the player's back. It's incredible how quickly he gets there, uh, and especially a goal that's that's so important. Um, you know, for Raúl in front of the fans, and and yet, look, he was he was celebrating with Saar, which is great. I mean, you know, he's at that end of the pitch and he's jumping on Saar, and of of course, he's just made that double save. So I get that, but you know, with the comments that he said to you, and you know, said it's difficult at times, and he can't help but you know, but but read some of them, and and you know, it it's it's not nice, is it? And uh, what do you make of of the way that that maybe social media has? Has come around to Cody. Do you feel like it's a few? Do you feel like it's quite a lot? Do you feel that it's um, it's it's warranted? Um, look, end of the day, you want to see a happy Connor Cody, don't you? Yeah, certainly. It's um, as a footballer, you have to first of all expect 
um, criticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to expect it, and you have to handle it, and you have to deal with it. And and Connor said that in in you know part of his answer as well. And there are some footballers who are going to be better at that than others. You know, some will be more sensitive. I mean, they are all people as well. At the end of the day, you know, you you have to bear that in mind. Um, but then there's also a, a, a very distinct difference between analytical, fair comments and criticism on performance and personal jabs at someone because you don't like the way they've played or you don't like some the way they've said. Or what, yeah, I mean, there's a very distinct difference between the two. Um, the latter, for me, has no place really in in football commentary in, 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 in the football world. It's It's not anywhere near... Uh, something as bad as racism, but it's almost in the same uh, realm that it's just people on Twitter being idiots half the time. Um, uh, uh, let's be honest, social media is a bit of a, a cesspool at times, isn't it? Um, and, oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah it's, it's definitely nothing like racism, but it's the same. It comes from the same place of um, of, of people on on social media most of the time, faceless without their name or their face on there. Um, chatting nonsense half the time. Uh, look, looking at Connor's performances, I think he he has dropped a level in the last few weeks. I think he was poor against Brentford. Um, don't think he did well against Spurs when he came on either. Uh, and that's uh, I can get I can go into you know reasons, analytical reasons, whatever it is that like why I think that. Um, credit to him, he came back against Southampton after a week of people questioning him. And I thought I thought he had his best game of the season. I thought he was very very good. Um, commanded the back three, uh, interceptions, blocks. It was a great tackle in the first half to uh, to stop us. Uh, che Adams sliding in for for an attempt um, from a Livermento cross, ironically from a, a Marcel mistake on the on, on the on the flank. Um, so I think he you know he, he deserves deserves credit there first of all because he came back and did a you know did a very good job. And then he also deserves credit for coming out and saying what he thought. Um, he didn't say anything over the top. He didn't come out and say, you know, no. half the Wolves fans are out of order or whatever it is. You know, he came out and was just honest and said, look, because I asked him the, you know, a, a question straight down the line and said, because he, he'd already mentioned um, in, the, in the reaction to the result and uh, question, sorry, that it's been a tough week. And I said, you know, you mentioned it's a tough week. Is it difficult to not to listen to outside noise and comments from, mm. from people. And he said, you know, I'll be honest with you, it is difficult not to listen to them. And that's only natural, you know, I, I have to keep saying it. And it seems like they're not human beings because they're, you know, put on a pedestal and they're footballers. But, you know, he's a human being. He's got Instagram. I know he's only recently been on there. He's probably, you know, he's probably seen what people are saying. He's probably seen media articles or he's probably seen podcasts or people talking on Sky or whatever it is. Um and the thing is, though, Liam, he can he can he can go back to his family. He can go back to to his house, and he can look at the pictures, and he can look at uh, you know raising the championship trophy. He can look at um, him playing against the best players in the Premier League. He can look at um, the pictures of him playing in Europe. He can he can look at his six England caps. I mean, this is a guy who's one of the most decorated captains in the club's history. And whether he's whether he's um, ready to play in a team or not. There's got to be a respect level there, and I feel like that's been that, that's the line that I feel has been crossed yeah, by I certain agree. people, not just individuals. I tell you what, there's a few people in the media or, or, or call themselves media people um, who, who, who have said some some silly things and just to get jokes and, and funny things. I'm like, you know, like they, they, it's just 
it's frustrating, really. It is frustrating because, you know, we've all seen, and he's the one who fronts up. He's the one who does the, you know, I mean, look, we talked about, I think we talked to, maybe not with yourself, Ian, but over the years, there's a lot of these guys, a lot of this squad, a lot of these these players who don't do any media. They're just not interested in doing media. And, you know, it's, it's I'm not a big fan of it. I think that, you know, they should do a lot more of it. Um, but, but they don't, and they don't want to speak to the media, don't want to speak. They just want to go and play their football and come back. And look, if they're playing okay on the pitch, then fair enough, that's up to them. But Conor Cody will be the first one who will front up a defeat, you know, a win, a loss, a draw. He does ten times more than anybody else at that club. And like I say, this isn't this isn't an excuse or to say, okay, well, we need to. He needs to be in the team every single week. That's not what I'm saying. But but you've got that. There's a, there's a level and a line you've got that you, I think people have crossed, and I think you need to just rein it in sometimes, and maybe just think before you speak or before you tweet. Yeah, I think so. And let's you know, be honest as well. He's uh, he's not stupid. He he's going to know if he's not played particularly well. Of course he is. Of course um, he is. Someone at the club's going to tell him as well. You know, it's not they're not being babied. He's not going to go in there and Bruno's going to say, "Connor, you're unbelievable today." When he's you know he's just booted one off end on and Domblay and let him go score and put Spurs one nil up. You know, but it's an easy target. Leader. Exactly. You know, other exactly. players who maybe have come from abroad who are having stinkers, but because they're coming for big money, or you know, no one really wants to you know. Criticise him, but okay. Well, look, Cody. We've always said about Cody, bloody, bloody, bloody. It's, it's almost like it's an e- an easy one to go at, and that's yeah. what I think. That kind of um, I'm going to say, it's it's. I was going to say something else, but I'm not going to say it. But it's 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 frustrating. It is frustrating for me. Yeah, no, it's the same because I, you know, he, he's going to look at um, comments about his performance, and you know, if people are being fair and, and you know and, and giving either criticism, constructive criticism, or just you know being honest about their how how they thought he played, but in a you know in a respectful way. I can imagine you know he's not going to be pleased because he wants to play well every week. He wants to do the best for the club, which is what he said to me in that answer as well. Um, but he, I don't think he's the kind of character to to be arrogant enough to say you know look I'm not listening to what any whatever any of these people say. You know he's going to know if he's not played well. It's the people that come in and just attack him for things unrelated, or they'll you know they'll. Twist something in it from a performance into just a nasty comment that is totally irrelevant. It's um, and there's a lot of a lot of people do that. It's unfortunate. I think the, you mentioned there the response to the article and people on Twitter. I think some people have realised they've probably gone a little bit overboard. Um, I think some people have um, come out and given him uh, extra support, not necessarily the people that you know abused him in the first place, but just gave him a bit, bit of extra support. Uh, and that's nice to see as well. You know, I think that there's a lot of I think it's the it's it's definitely a loud minority, isn't it? It's a loud minority that just get on social media and 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 splurge a load of rubbish. Mm. And there's a lot of accounts on social. This is just a general social media point. Well, it might be like a hundred, hundred fifty comments, Liam, or fifty people, or eighty people, and those are the people who are obviously the loudest. And then you have thirty yeah, exactly. thousand, or fifty thousand, or a hundred thousand, depending on you know, whether you're at the game or not, who don't say anything because they you know they they obviously support him and support yeah. the person and are proud of you know not just what. Proud of him and and the way that he's come through the ranks and you know is now you know a full England international and could quite easily be going to to the World Cup and as it's uh, it's amazing really that there's not too many people I think in that squad in that England squad whose whose place would be maybe um, at jeopardy and I'm not saying that that's that's not correct but it's the way about going about that isn't it Yeah, you mentioned as well that you know certain. People in the media making jokes or whatever it's it's always it's like a, a shock factor in certain places as well. I I try and be as you know as object. I mean we have a bit of a, a laugh, a bit of fun on the podcast and videos, things like that as well. 
but I try and be as, as objective as possible, not be too emotional either way. Um, and and I think as a you know a local reporter covering a club, that's the best way to do it. Absolutely. There are a lot of you know people on certain radio stations or TV shows or you know, writers elsewhere at other outlets that um, are a bit more dramatic. Let's Sensationalist. say sensationalist. Yeah, that's the word exactly. That's that's the that's the perfect word actually. Um, and that's the nature of the beast that comes with it. You know. Yeah, whatever. But um, I think it's, it comes down to me just the respect level. Um, I think that it, they, a few people just tip over the line. And this is a general point of social media that there are too many. And, and we've had this conversation, me and you, uh, again, uh, if I could just bring this up briefly. It's nothing to do with Wolves, but just very briefly. Um, Tari Wright, who was on loan at Warsaw when I was covering them, got racially mm-hmm. abused over Instagram. It's taken a while, but finally um, they've charged a 17-year-old kid with sending him stuff and and I you know I've spoken to Tyreek about it um I've got him on social media I obviously covered it at the time and I'm glad to see something happening for him because he's a great kid and a really good player he's on loan from Villa and he's at Salford now but um he uh I'm just glad that's happening but this harks back to the same a similar social media issue that there are so many a lot of them are young people as well so many young people behind accounts that don't have their name on, that have a picture of I don't know, a random player or their favourite player or whatever, and they say some incredible stuff on there. Um, and they get away with it. Now, I don't necessarily want every you know every kid on social media to get you know in trouble with the law, or go to, but there just, needs, there just needs to be more done. I don't want to be too over the top and, and, uh, and, and compare it to racism, because it's nothing like that at all. That's obviously way worse. But it just comes into the same sphere for me of social media companies not really doing enough um, and I think that's in a smaller way similar here with, with the Connor situation and other players as well don't get me wrong it's not just with Connor um, but people some people are just too over the top and as you say it's 100 people or 150 people comments, views whatever online and then you get to Molyneux and there'll be 32,000 that will be every single one of them will be cheering for Connor Cody even if they don't think he's had a particularly great game so well, that's, the, that's the difference there will also be the same people who will who will you know abuse and have a bit of a fun on Twitter, and then they see him across the street, and they'll be the first person to run across him, try and get a picture with the guy oh. as well. So. You know what? It's funny you just said that. I'm going to give another example. There's nothing to do with Wolves or football, but let me let me go with it. I was literally before we came onto this podcast um, was doing. I a, said a, no pictures, Liam. I said no pictures. <laughs> I don't want it, mate. I get it every day. I just, I just I had to say no at Southampton. I'm sorry. I know. Well, I mean, I, I try and get it every week, but it's not quite there yet. Um, I, I was listening to uh, in the background, listening to a, an interview with Eddie Hearn um, after the obviously after the Anthony Joshua loss on mm. on Saturday, and he gave an exa- he, got, he actually got his phone up and read a message that he got from and he said he, d- he never replies to DMs but this one he did and he got a message from a guy full on abusing him calling him all sorts of names saying AJ's this that and the other saying obviously stuff to Eddie personally as well mm. he came back Eddie Hearn with quite a funny response something about him being bold and doing nothing in his life or whatever it was and you know giving him a bit of stick back basically Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this guy replied saying that thanks Eddie you've just made my day yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they just want they just want acknowledgement. That, that, that says that 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 is just in a nutshell. That is what social media is like yeah, with certain people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that's just it. Mm. it. It's incredible. I mean, the sad little lives of some of these people. They're just desperate <laughs> for attention. I've got nothing wrong with fans 
making their voice heard. I think fans having a voice is really important in football. I mean, the Super League stuff, you can bring all that into it. It's massive, 100% important. But you have to do it in the right way. And in some ways, they haven't. And that that Eddie Hearn one there is just a great example of people just desperate for someone they obviously look up to and like wanting them to reply. And the only and the best way to get replies nowadays, a lot of the time, is to say something outrageous. It's it's sad, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. Now, we've gone on about this quite a lot, but I think it's important. I think it's important to debate about it. And look, there'll be people listening to this who will completely dis- disagree with what we're saying. And that's 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 their prerogative as well, you know. Uh, but it's Im- I think especially in these podcasts, it's nice to be able to express what you feel and express it in another way that we see it as well from a media point of view. And I'm sure a lot of people do think that. I'm sure there'll be some people listening to this saying, yeah, I've been a bit harsh. Maybe not just with maybe just not just about Connor, but maybe other people in the past. Maybe I I should maybe, you know, take time if I am going to reply or going to speak to someone or going to tweet something to 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 wait an hour, half an hour, twenty minutes before you before you do it. It's um, it, it can be it can be toxic at times. I'm doing a I'm doing a school talk tomorrow. I'm talking about social media and the the pitfalls of it. Um, and it's. It is difficult. It is it is difficult one, and I think everybody gets frustrated. Everybody gets frustrated as a fan. I get angry, and uh, sometimes it's 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 not the place to be. Social media. Sometimes you just just like I say, just take a step back. Um, along with that, lean with people you know criticizing and stuff as well. I tell you what, I hate as well. By the way, this obviously we've got to. If someone's having a bad game, we're going to say they're having a bad game. That's not saying you know you've got to say your feelings. You know I'm. I lambasted them at half-time, quite rightly so. I'm not going to sit on the fence. If they're playing poorly, I'll tell them playing poorly. But if I'm saying someone's having a bad game or having a poor game, and then someone afterwards ats them in a reply, the actual player, ah, oh, that's an instant block. Like, that's... What What are you trying to gauge from that? You know what I mean? It's just it's just attention-seeking again, isn't yeah. it? They're just, they're, they're, yeah. They want the player to respond probably to you, but with them in the at as well, just, you know, by going yeah. onto Twitter and... Uh, replying or they want them to like something it's just it's a bit embarrassing and yeah. most of the time it's kids as well it's like it you just you need you shouldn't don't be on twitter get off mm-hmm. it you don't need to be there I'm, I'm saying this like i'm really old i mean i'm only, I'm, I'm 25 in a few months but i remember it as Are a kid you? i know i know it's mad isn't it um i'm saying this like i'm your age 40 um wow. <laughs> it's got to be done um but as a kid i and this is this was just the you know because i grew up with not loads of technology, I sort of as I got into my teens is when it sort of came in. Yeah, you were, um, you were Lego but, until fourteen, weren't you? Bless you. <laughs> yeah, of course. But I, you know, I'd go out with my go out with my mates on my bike or whatever. I'd go out and you know play football and be out and about. Get some like, fresh air, man. Yeah, these kids are sat here on their, on their I remember the first I got the, I remember the first mobile phone I got was this red brick Nokia thing that I got, mm-hmm. and I was probably like ten or something. Um, and it was just to, so I could text my mum to tell her when I'm coming home on, on my bike. Uh, and kids these days, you know, they've got the, they've got the new iPhone, whatever it is, and, and they're on Twitter. And it's like, it's not, I don't think it's normal, man. It's not, it's not, it's not healthy. Go out there, graze your knees going down a dirt path on a bike and, and go and have, you know, be a kid. Get off Twitter and stop doing all this nonsense. Leave Twitter for idiots like me and Judah. Absolutely, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, we can take it. Uh, right, we, we have gone on um, way over. Poor from me, poor management from me. Liam, you went the under-23s last night. You've got four minutes to talk about Fabio Silva and uh, anything else you want to talk about. Good, good, to, good, good, that, you, good that you went. Uh, were you impressed? Was it, was, it, was it good to be there? I know you've been meaning to get there, but 
uh, by hook or by crook, you haven't managed to do it. But uh, this was uh, the first of many visits, I'm sure, this season. Yes, definitely. No, it was good. I mean, the result obviously wasn't great, losing 3-1 to no. a Sunderland team in Premier League 2, actually, who have been struggling a little bit as well. But, um, yeah, I thought uh, there was a few standout. I thought Lewis Richards at, um, at left wing-back did really well. Um, I thought Raphael Naya played a sort of left of a back three, did really well. Um, Kundal and Campbell, obviously, who were the two sort of closest to first team um, and trained with the first team regularly. Um, they they look a bit of a standout above that level, really. Um, and then obviously the main man, Fabio Silva, struggled yeah. for minutes in the in the first team. Um, got hooked off at half time against Spurs, and and probably rightly so. Me, you know, we got to be fair. He, he wasn't very good, no. <laughs> so um, he needs minutes. Um, and he got an opportunity, played ninety minutes, uh, and took his goal really, really nicely. Uh, Harry Burt was sort of played a, a a ball down the right in the channel to him to run onto, um, sort of ran into the box, cut in a bit and left foot low drive into the bottom corner. So um, it was a nice goal, took it well. And there were some really nice touches, you know, some nice flicks um, around defenders. There was a, a few sort of nutmegs, a few bits of skill here and there. He, he looked, he, he, I know he's 19 and I know there's a big transfer fee on him. There's a lot of pressure and obviously he's not getting loads of minutes in the first team at the moment, but he, even at his age at 19, and obviously, you know, he's a bit meant to be a bit of a wonder kid, he looks way above the, the under-23 level. Mm. Oh, yeah. I thought he... I, I expected that, of course, as well, but I think some... Again, this is probably similar to the social media stuff we were talking about. A lot of fans get on his get on his back because of the price tag or whatever. Um, I think give him a bit of time. Um, he had a good game, scored, could have got another one as well, almost set up... Um, I think I forget who it was, but he almost set someone up as well. He... He uh, he looked lively, and actually um, Stephen Hunt, the, the former player, was he was there uh, watching, and I saw him tweet afterwards saying that he was chasing every loose ball down. He was working hard as if he was playing against Real Madrid, and he was playing at Agbro Stadium against Sunderland. Um, you know, oh, he took he, his shirt off. Took his shirt off when he scored. I love <laughs> no, that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was. Uh, I, I finally got to the bottom of that. That was a message to a, a, a lad at Tondela, the club in Portugal, who's uh, a, a teammate of him in the under twenty ones, who's done his ACL apparently is what it was. So it was a bit, a bit of a sort of poor message to him, um, which was very nice. But um, yeah, he you know he he put the work in, put the effort in in this game, worked really hard as if it was you know the biggest game of his career, and that was. That's the kind. They're the kind of model professional signs that you want to see, even at nineteen. You know, he's he's a he's a model pro. Stack it off, couldn't you? You could quite yeah, exactly. You don't want to be there. You want you're sulking. You've got your head down, but he's not that type of character. He's always chipper, and you know, you know, even like last season when there was a bit of criticism, he's always on social media, put himself out there. You know, he'll say, "Let's go, let's go to get." You know, let's go today, big game. Um, But this is the this is the kind of uh, usage that we probably expected Fabio in the first season. Uh, a softly, softly approach. Get him game time. Get him adjusted to 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 England. You know, get the odd cup few minutes here and there. Get a little bit of cup action. But that was that was really what was supposed to happen last season, and probably a bit more this season. You know, maybe a little. But it's it's, it's almost like back to front, isn't it? You know, he obviously got thrust into the limelight. We all know about that. This was the originally, I guess, the original idea and the original plan. And he's like you say, Liam. He's nineteen years old. He is going to go through periods. He's still growing. He's still maturing, not just as a, a footballer, but as a person. Um, he's, he's, in that, he's in that period, like I say, and in that situation where, look, no one's displacing Raul Jimenez at the top of that line. 
So you are going to have to, and, and with Huang coming in and, and moving ahead of him, I think in that ranking, and I think if they were going to play two up front, it would be Huang and and Raúl and, and and not uh, and not Fabio. If if Huang did go, you know, from from you know a, a, a wide forward, so to speak, to to more central, which begs the question really that in January. I don't think they can at this moment in time, but if they were to bring another striker in, then would he be suited to a loan spell rather than playing 23s football maybe for the majority of the season or maybe half the season in and out? I think that he would be the perfect candidate for a loan. And I would like to see him stay in England, to be honest. I would like to see him. I know people go on loan foreign, but I think you need to, you know, if if they see a long-term future for Fabio Silva, in the, I think he needs to go to the Championship. And he might, he might get kicked a little bit, a 30-odd million quid. But I think he needs six months in the championship. Now, I don't think they can do it at this moment in time, like I say, with the squad. But if they were to to look back into the market, maybe bring a maybe a bit more experience in to sit on the bench for the remainder of the season, if, if Wolves are you know mid-table or just to see him through, uh, I don't think that would be a bad shout at all. I'm sort of going back and forth a little bit on it um, because I've, if he was getting more minutes, then yeah, I, I can see, you know, the law of him staying with the first team and you know, getting used to what Bruno wants from him and he's around good players every day, uh, you know, world-class players every day. Um, but I ha- I think I have to agree with you. I think if he is going to go on, it has to be in England and he's not going to go any lower than the Championship, is he? Um, mm. So I think I have to agree because I, I don't think there's much point in sending a, a player like that who's still getting used to English football and getting, you know, he's building up a bit of muscle developing as you said um, there's not much point in sending him to a totally different culture and style of football if no. you want to have long term ambitions for him here because it's English football is very different it is very different, different if you're Catroni and you're sending him back to Italy or whatever because you want to you know want to put him in the in the, in the shop window but realistically you know you're not getting 30 if you do you're not getting 30 million quid for Fabio Silva again and I still think this guy's got, you know, has got something that he can give to Wolves. But he's got to, he's got to play, he's got to have game time. And I think now he's, you know, if you're getting into January and he's had 18 months in the English game, then maybe, you know, and he, he's kind of knows the rough and tumble, he knows what to expect. Then maybe that might be beneficial, just for six months, maybe even a couple of months. You can have a small loan spell, but just go there, play seven or eight games for a team who, you know, is going to create chances. And I think if anyone in the championship would be delighted to have someone like Fabio Silva. Yeah, I think so as well. I really do. And um, yeah, or do you do you think he'd be better better served under Bruno for the season, and then we'll see what uh, happens next year? I'm I'm I'm, t- I'm torn a bit between it. if they bring someone in in January, of course, and they've got enough cover, then I can see that being beneficial. But they they have to look at the the squad size as well. But yeah. I think um, yeah, otherwise you're looking at sort of a Rafa Mir situation, aren't you? If you if you send him out, um, yeah. you know, out to whatever a foreign country somewhere on loan because. He needs to get, you know, rooted and grounded here. I know Rafa Mir had a short spell at Forest and you know didn't do, didn't do particularly well. Um, and then that's also another point. You've got to, you don't want to knock his confidence. You know, if he goes to a Championship side and plays ten games and has ten stinkers and doesn't score, it's uh, it, there's the danger of it going the other way as well. Um, and then you, you, and then the you start to unsettle like the player, you know. That's, that's yeah. I suppose you start to unsettle a player, though, don't you? At that point, and you know he's still young. He's obviously moved away um, from his it's home got country. To be the right, it's and... got to be the right move. It's got to be the right team. It's got to be. He's got to be fully on board with it. I think if he's yeah, you know, and I think he would be. You know, 
Morgan Gibbs White went to the 23s and played a couple of games last season. You could see he was a class above, but he wasn't. He wasn't good enough to get into the first team. But he was way better than the 23s, and he's not going to progress there. It's good to get him some fitness and some game time, but at the same, you know, he needed he needed that loan. Okay, it was cut short last season. Now he's going to Sheffield United. He's had another assist. He's, he's doing brilliantly. He scored two goals. You know, you think Morgan Gibbs White is probably more than likely than not going to have a future Wolverhampton Wanderers. You say the same with Fabio Silva. These are talented players who need to be playing week in, week out. Yeah, that, that's a good point there you made about the under 23s. In, in, in isolation, last night's game was brilliant for him because, you know, he needs minutes, match fitness, whatever it is, you know, got a goal. That's that's all great. That's perfect. But long term, he is. You could tell last night he's, he is a step above the under twenty three level, um, without a doubt. So he's not really going to gain much from it in the long term. If you know every other week he's going there. I know. I know it's the first time this season he's done it. But if it starts to become a regular thing, you're going to look at it and think he, he would benefit from a loan. If if he's not going to play in the first team and he's being dropped down there, he would benefit more from a loan than long term under twenty threes. But in isolation, you know, he's played one game, played well, got ninety minutes. If he then goes, you know, I don't know, he, he plays forty five minutes for Wolves in the first team in the next couple next couple of games or whatever, well, the next game obviously is international break, and then goes away on the international break probably with the under twenty ones, has a couple of games, then comes back, gets a bit more minutes and he, and he actually starts playing for the first team a bit more often, mm. um, then then that's great. But if he's gonna get dropped out of the team and dropped back into under twenty threes and just do that more regularly, that's I don't think don't see long term how that how it helps really. It only helps for there and then for getting match fitness really. Yeah, and of course at the Carabao Cup now as well, so those are kind of maybe some more minutes that have, that have slid by until maybe the FA Cup third round in January. So yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one and we'll see how that develops. But um, look, I, I'm always pulling for the kid. I think I, I do think there's a player in there and hopefully uh, hopefully he gets some goals and hopefully get some Premier League goals again this season. I think he'll want to at least equal his tally from last season, but of course he's got to get that opportunity to do it right. Very quick questions. Very quick questions. Okay. <laughs> Um, straight we ramble away. on today, haven't we? I know, I know, we have. Uh, and I was, I was saying we're struggling. We're struggling at the start of this. I said we might not get an hour. Um, right, okay. Paul Mansell says, with Bruno wanting to play a higher line, would Patricia have been uh, more suitable? Sar seems to come off his line more. Uh, I think it's the opposite. Oh, being, being as suitable, sorry. Oh, being as wrong. suitable. Being as I was suitable, right. yeah. Is it, yeah. Is it better that Sar, with the way that Bruno plays, than having Patricia? I think Sar suits it slightly better. Uh, I think he. I know he's had a, a couple difficult moments uh, with his feet, but I do think he is better with his feet. Uh, I think his distribution is better than Patricio. Um, the the question is, I suppose, the is the the shot stopping and things like that. But I think Sar's shown that he's obviously a very good goalkeeper in that department as well. So um, it's difficult to say it's an upgrade because uh, right now, because Patricio was obviously excellent um you know portugal number one uh, but sar is obviously a few years younger he's what 28 he's got a few years to, to build on it so i think it's it's a it's a decent replacement that could potentially be an, an upgrade and in terms of style i think i think he actually suits it slightly better than, than patricia did reggie says honestly tears in my eyes when Jimenez scored so ridiculously happy for him and hopefully this is the start of many more goals to come here here uh, that being said, how many do you think Raul will score by the end of the season? 10 to 15, 15 to 20, 20 plus. A lot of people actually asking uh, the same question. How many goals do you think he'll score? Mr. C asks that, uh, a couple of other people as well. I'm going to go, I'm going to go in the middle of there, 15. Okay. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to give him, give him a bit more bit, bit more of an oomph getting their goal and I think it'll, uh, I think it'll come good. 
Okay, I'm going to say 13, but I don't think that's bad. And I think I think he'll get as many assists as he will goals as well, which is which is. Um, we'll, I think we'll we haven't seen too many assists, but I think 13 goals and probably 10 to 13 assists this season. I think that's uh, that's what I'm thinking for for Raúl. Uh, with quite a few people, Steve, and a few others asking about the Newcastle lineup, uh, Graham Palmer. So we'll go into that in a little minute. Um, we've got a few people still got the same question: When's Adama signing his contract, Liam? Yeah, any minute now. Don't. It's um, yeah. It just needs a little bit of patience. It's not going to be. You know, we might get a bit of a shock and turn around. It'll come out of nowhere. Um, but you know, they 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 have been in. You know, talks negotiations have been ongoing. Um, and I think you just need to understand that it's it doesn't happen overnight. You know, there's a lot of people involved and a lot of parties and and, and they and they get it done. But it it certainly looks more likely to happen than not. Um, it, they've just got to you know find that common ground and uh, and get it finished. Yeah, Joey kind of asked the question and we've kind of answered it as well. What happens to Fabio now? Almost forty million. He's down in the under twenty three. He's trying to get minutes all alone in Jan. So yeah, I mean, kind of discussed that. Um, has Nelson Semedo been told not to score? Great. <laughs> I mean, great, great chance by the way. First time we talk about the chances and they're few and far between. But Semedo at the start of that game, I mean, put it either side of the keeper and uh, you're laughing really. Yeah, well, I mean, he had two, two exactly the same against Watford, he, and to be honest with you, he should have scored all three. Mm. Um, that's just a, that's a, yeah, that's just a reality. I I think he's actually had an all right start to the season, though, Smith. I think he's um, I think he's looked fairly handy. I think a few people I gave him a six for the weekend uh, in the player ratings, and a few people thought I was a bit harsh. The fact he should have been a bit higher, but um, I think missing that chance, he didn't offer loads going forward after that. He seemed a little bit timid. Um, but overall, I think he's had a fairly decent start to the season, actually. So um, hopefully more to come. Um, who else? Uh, Chris Walter says, I'm in Glasgow for two weeks. Is there anything decent to do? I've never been. I've only been Edinburgh, so you'll, you'll have to say. Uh, I've been to Glasgow a couple of times. Is there anything decent to do? You've got, you've got, you've got, you've got to sample the Glasgow kiss, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so short answer, there's nothing to do there. Uh, drink some iron brew. Uh, oh no, there's the uh, there's the Kelvin Grove Art Gallery, mate. It's absolutely legendary. Glasgow Cathedral, Riverside Museum. There's plenty of stuff to do in Glasgow. I do prefer Edinburgh though, to be fair. But um, Edinburgh, Edinburgh. I've only been to Edinburgh. Edinburgh was class. I was very, I was very impressed. I think you were going to say you were very drunk. Probably both. Oh well, no, I was also yeah, I was also a little bit of that as well. But it was uh, no, I thought Edinburgh was a great city. I was really impressed. It is, it is, it is a good, good city. It's a good city. Um, right. Before I go on to the uh, before I go on to the Newcastle game, um, we've got to say a word from our sponsor, Adoption at Heart. Adoption at Heart provides adoption services from the City of Wolverhampton Council, Walsall Council, Dudley Borough Council, and Sandwell Children's Trust, and is encouraging those who are considering adoption to come forward and take the next step. The Black Country Agency is appealing for adopters who can give our children lots of individual time, understanding, and ongoing support. And we are looking to recruit adopters from within a diverse section of the community irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, disability, race or faith, to start your adoption journey or to find out more, why not book on the next virtual information event or visit www.adoptionatheart.org.uk to see the next available dates or to book your place, call 019 Okay, um, Newcastle, Liam, is on Saturday. What a difference, like I said, three points makes. If they can make it two wins from two and go into this break, nine points from seven games, that'll be kind of towards halfway up the table. Things will look a lot rosy going into the international break. Um, Team-wise, Liam, can you see changes? 
I would be shocked. Well, I was shocked that Adama Troy was on the on the bench. I would assume that he would be recalled. I would I'd assume Ruben Neves would be re- recalled. I think that Marcel might keep his place. What do you think? You need to stop calling him Neves. You're not you're not you're not from Portugal. It's Neves. Come on. Come Neves. Off it. Nesh. Who do you think you are? You're going to be calling Bruno Fernandes or whatever it is next. Rubbish. Come on. What do you want Neves to do? Do you think he's going to come back into the team shop? <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Um, I actually agree with you. Uh, okay. Only because it's easy and I can just find off the question. <laughs> yeah, we've really. only no. got a few minutes left, yeah. No, no, um, no I, I think, particularly playing at home as well, um, mm. you know, they want to get the fans... Um, you know, riled up, excited. Adama will do that. Um, I think he'll play. I'd be su- very surprised if Neves doesn't come in. Um, I'll be honest with you. I would like to see Aitnori be given an opportunity. Agreed. Obviously, provided he, you know, with the uh, concussion uh, protocols, he's all, he's all right. But, um, but I but think I, he will. But from Bruno's point of view, I feel like yeah, he won't, I don't think, I don't think he will. It. Yeah, especially with. I mean, Carl Wilson. I assume he's still out. For this game, so I think so. Yes, I think so. so hope so. <laughs> so you you think that you know they're not going to have too many chances, fingers crossed. But I think you want to keep it a clean sheet at the back and back themselves to score. I guess the main talking point from my point of view. Well, there's three talking points. So you, see if you can answer these. Let's say Troy comes in. Does he come in for Pedence or does he come in for Juan? That's a good question. For me, he comes in for Pedence. Okay, I think he'll come in for Juan. And I think he'll have I think Hwang coming on from the bench, but I think I could completely understand the Pedence thing. It just depends. It depends really who he wants to who, who we fancy. Maybe it's tra- in training this week. Maybe show me what you want to do. But I'd be stunned if Traoré doesn't come in. Yeah, I, I'd be very surprised. I think he I think he plays. Um, for me, I think it, I think it's he doesn't change the system. You know, it's mm-hmm. the last game before the international break. I don't think yeah. he changes the system. Yeah, I, I don't think he changes the goalkeeper or the back three. Mm-hmm. Um, you could argue again. I've made this argument before Southampton and probably before Brentford as well that Bolly could come in. We've already said eight. Well, I'm going to my questions. That was my first question. I've gone to number two and number three, man. What are you doing? You know me. I'm always thinking ahead. Let's go number two then. Does Does Willie Bolly come into that back three? We thought he would come in at Southampton. They got a clean sheet. Does Does he go with those three players again until the international break, or does he bring in? what arguably is their best central defender into the game. Uh, yeah, I was calling for him to come in before Southampton, um, but I, as I said already, I actually think Sykes had a pretty decent second half in that game. So they got a clean sheet, they got the result, I think he sticks with I think, I think he sticks with the back three. Okay, uh, and the, the final question, if, if Nevsh slash Neves is going to come <laughs> back into the side, does he come in for Leander Dendonka or does he come in for Jean Moutinho? I can see arguments for either. What I think Bruno will do is I think he comes in for Dendonka. Um, okay. I think, yeah, I think he quite likes the Matinho Neves combo. I think at home as well, um, sort of getting hold of the ball and controlling the ball, which I think they think they will do against Newcastle. I think he, I think he plays Matinho mm. and Neves, of course. Um. Just a word of a word of um, warning. We will be doing an. I think this is the first ever one. I think this out of two hundred and twenty episodes. I think this is the first time I've ever done a. Is three, is three o'clock Saturday, isn't it, Liam? I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I think so. I think it's the first time ever. I'm gonna. We're gonna do a a post match podcast after the game, which will be available next week because uh, 
we're both buggering off on international break and trying to take some time to not miss any more games. So, yeah, make sure you, you're ready with your questions for that. Um, most important thing of the whole podcast, predictions. I'm going to do one more until international break and then we'll see how it goes and then Kino you might be able to take the reins after that after well you were, you were a stinker at Southampton you're on the bench you're on the bench for a couple of games okay <laughs> you're on the you sat, you sat on the bench you just hang your head after you're answering Joshua prediction okay you're going nowhere soon so I'm going to go for a prediction to win the shirt and I'm going to say the game will finish Wolverhampton Wanderers 2 Newcastle United nil. be nice wouldn't it and that is for the shirt What's your Wait. prediction, Kino? Very quickly, my anti-Joshua prediction was actually right. I said if the longer it goes on, it favours Usyk. Just saying. Um, three nil Wolves. Oh, three nil! It's, it's a goal fest. It's a goal fest. We're doubling the amount of uh, we're doubling or tripling the amount of uh, Wolves goal scorers this season in the Premier that's, League. I, I'll in tell one you game. how it happens as well. Amazing. Tell you how it happens. Get your money on this. Go on there. They get a goal within the first fifteen minutes. Oh shit. Go they on. get, <laughs> they um, they get and basically they get two later ones. Basically, they, 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 the floodgates open <laughs> later. Basically, right? just get two later ones. Basically, time, just get two later I, ones. I sort of half. I just sort of gave up halfway through that that yeah. sort of uh, that sort of prediction. But because my like predictions don't matter things, anymore, like my predictions don't matter. You know, it, it's two nil is what everyone needs to be thinking of. Retweet. Yes. Judas tweet and if yes. it's 2-0 you're in your for, you're tweet for, even when you when you were bothered to put a tweet out for the podcast you know oh, that, 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 at some point that, that as well yeah yeah, yeah I will do one <laughs> <laughs> right let's get off I've got a meeting you've got to do some stories mate I uh, hope you've enjoyed it uh, take care we'll see you all Saturday three points thank you very much